The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following program is suitable for all ages. I think the significant thing about the Bears is to acknowledge, man, that we're going into a hostile environment versus a, a, a team that's, that's got some urgency. Um, I've been 0-2. Um, I know the, the urgency associated with that in this business, and I'm sure that they feel it, and I'm sure that we're going to get um, their best efforts because of it. Um, 0-2 doesn't define you at this nature, uh, at this juncture of, of a season, just like 2-0 and doesn't define you. You know, one, we got to be on top of our game, and uh, hopefully we can play a good team football game, more like week one, not the result, but uh, the formula, and we'll see how that goes. So we have to execute. Cheers, Bears fans! This is Bears on Tap, and you just heard the voices of head coaches Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers and John Fox of the Chicago Bears. Tomlin sounded like a very polished and successful used car dealer, while Foxy, he sounded like the lemon. I'm Aldo Gandia, and I'm not nearly as polished as Tomlin, but after the Bears' 0-2 start, I am definitely as sour as a lemon. In a minute, I'll bring on Jeff Hartman, the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and he'll give us a peek behind the curtain so we can learn more about Sunday's opponent. And usually I have someone on who covers the Bears for the final part of the show, but I thought I'd handle that this week, primarily because I've collected a lot of interesting sound from Coach Tomlin, Bears coaches, and some media people that I want to share with you. One thing before we get started. In 1969, both the Steelers and the Bears finished the regular season with 1-13 records. The league held a coin flip to determine who would get the number one draft pick. The Steelers won and went on to select Terry Bradshaw and begin to mold one of the last great dynasties in NFL history. Now, my brother Harry, he jumped ship and became a devout Steelers fan. As a kid, he fell in love with the black and gold, Bradshaw and Swan, Franco and Rocky, Lambert and Mean Joe. I found it a sin not to root for the home team, despite the fact that the Bears really had no one to root for, at least until the Bears landed Walter Payton in 1975. Well, here we are, decades later, I still root for the home team and Harry still roots for the Steelers. But over those decades, his heart has softened towards the Bears. Now he calls them his second favorite team, and he's never short of advice for how the Bears should run their franchise. Maybe, come Sunday, just maybe, if the Bears were to at some point during the game install a Bradshaw-like quarterback named Mitch Trubisky into the game and he led a wondrous come-from-behind win over Harry Steelers, then maybe the Bears would once again become his favorite team. I don't know. Unfortunately, the odds of the Bears beating the Steelers Sunday with or without Trubisky are worse than those of winning a coin flip. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. 
MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. And as promised, Jeff Hartman, the editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, the largest Steelers fan community on the internet, joins me. You can find Jeff on Twitter at BNGBlitz. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on the show. I know you get tons of media requests from uh, Chicago podcasters, so uh, I'm glad you made time for us. Listen, my first question is, this Steeler team is 2-0. and uh, They've um, had a 28-18 win in Cleveland over the Browns and a 26-9 win over the Vikings at Heinz Field. After watching them play these two games, how would you characterize the quality of those victories? I guess you could say mediocre at best. Um, the the Browns game, they just offense just did not look like they were a cohesive unit at all. And really, why should they have been? Uh, Le'Veon Bell set out the entire preseason. Martavis Bryant was coming off an entire year that he was suspended. Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Marquise Pouncey played a combined two series in the entire preseason. You kind of get the feeling after watching the game that they treated that week one game almost like a fifth preseason game. So that was not a pretty performance at all. The defense played well. I'll give them that um, in terms of the Steelers defense. And then week two is very much very similar to week one, except the offense started making strides. They had some big plays. Martavis Bryant was the one that made the biggest plays. I think he had three receptions for something like 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, they're starting to, to kind of get into form is, is the hope Uh Pittsburgh Steelers fans are very spoiled. Pittsburgh Steelers fans expect nothing but perfection. They've been very, very upset with the Steelers the past two weeks, despite the fact that they're 2-0. and um, And so um, I would say mediocre wins. It, it sounds very, very conceited as a fan base <laughs> to say that when you're talking. I'm talking to a guy that covers a team that's 0-2. But uh, it just kind of average, middle of the road, nothing spectacular. Uh, the defense has been... Great. Uh, I'll say that. The defense has done their job. So if you want to hang your hat on something, if you're a Steeler fan, is the fact that their defense is kind of outperforming expectation at this point. Well, yeah, we'll get into the, a couple of details on the defense after we finish here with the offense, because I want to start with them. Against Cleveland, the offense managed uh, two touchdowns, one in each half, but they only had only 35 yards rushing. And against the Vikings, another two-touchdown performance. Both of those were in the first half of that game. And then uh, and one of those touchdowns was aided by a 49-yard pass interference call. So, you know, so the offense, as you said, has struggled. And part of that main reason is your is this superstar running back that you have, Le'Veon Bell. Now, this is what Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, somebody we know um, very well here in Chicago. He coached the wide receivers. This is what he had to say about Bell. 
I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, he was better than he was the first week, and um, and again, no different than our entire group. You know, we need to be a team that's, as Coach says, on the rise, but getting better. Can't be staying the same. we got to be improving day in and day out, week in and week out, and he falls into that category. You know, I would expect him to, to be better this week. Now, um, I heard you on your podcast say that he's typically the the guy that you know will will break a twenty yarder at least once a game, and I think so far the longest run this season is an eleven yarder. So, uh, what uh, what are your expectations for him this week? Do you think that um, he's going to get back on track, or or are you seeing something that is a disturbing trend? Uh, I guess a little bit of both. I mean, I, I see some disturbing things. He just doesn't have the burst. Uh, and it's funny because I was watching some footage of some film of him from last year and just his ability to hit the hole. Everyone talks about his patience, but it's also aided by the fact that he had an unbelievable first step to get through that line and to really then abuse secondary uh, defenders as they were trying to tackle him. He doesn't have that burst yet. I'm not saying he doesn't have it at all. Uh, people should remember that he did have a surgically repaired groin at the end of last year. That's why he didn't play in three quarters of the AFC Championship game uh, last year against New England. But at the same time, I think it's also the offensive line. Uh, and last year and the year prior to that, when they had D'Angelo Williams, who had to play significant uh, snaps because of Bell suspensions and or injuries, the offensive line was very open about how it's different blocking for Le'Veon Bell than it is for everyone else. So here you have an offensive line that four – Four out of the five players played the entire preseason, and the running backs they had uh, running behind them, like guys like James Conner, Terrell Watson, those are the backup running backs right now, but also Fitzgerald, Toussaint, and Niall Davis, who were released, they're all downhill runners. They're the guys that are going to get the football, and they're going to find their hole, and they're going to run. And if it's three yards in a cloud of dust, then it's three yards in a cloud of dust. But the offensive line knows exactly what to expect when they get the football in their hands. With Le'Veon Bell, it's different. They talked about how you have to hold your blocks a little bit longer. Maybe it's just a second longer because you never know where he's going to pick. And it could be right off of your back shoulder and you don't even know it. So you got to hold that block. They look better than they did the week before. It feels like the offensive line and Bell are starting to gel again. And if that's the case, that's a really good sign for the Steelers offense because if they can stay balanced and they can run the football well on first second and third downs basically whenever they want it opens everything up and that's when a defense is really really stuck because you have the offensive weapons at the receiver position you also have a running game that's difficult to stop as well it's a pick your poison style offense when everything's working but to answer your question I think it's going to get better. I think Bell is still going to have to get into his still getting into game shape. I hope I see that burst this week. If not, I might start to get a little concerned. Um, Jeff, you mentioned earlier uh, Martavius Bryant, and I did not realize that he is actually six four. I knew that he ran a, a four four, but boy, oh boy, he's six foot four has almost an eighty inch wingspan. Uh, yeah. and, and as we all know, he missed last year uh, because of suspension. But he's off to a good start this year, I understand. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you see in him and, and why he could be a dangerous player on Sunday. Well, he's 6'4", has an 80-inch wingspan, and runs a 4'4", <laughs> would be one of the reasons. Okay. Um, there's, a, there's a reason they call him the alien. That's kind of his nickname, oh. because he's he's literally like a freak out there. I mean, you just don't see guys like that. I, mean, I, I hate to use this comparison, because in my opinion, um, the guy I'm about to mention was probably the best receiver I ever saw during my lifetime. That's Randy Moss. I mean, 
his ability to just run by defenders. I mean, poor Trey Waynes last week. Xavier Rhodes was lined up across from Antonio Brown the entire game, and he ran by Trey Waynes, I swear, every single time he lined up across from him. It was so bad they put Newman, who I feel is 39 years old. I, mean, I might be right. Yeah, I think um, you are. On him. And uh, it, it was just it was bad. And, and Roethlisberger didn't always see him. That's the thing. I mean, you watch the the NFL game pass, the all 22 coaches film. You can see, oh, my goodness, there were a couple times where it's not double moves. He's not out scheming. It is literally just straight line speed. And then his size is just so much. Uh, he's just so much taller. And his his skill set, if he, he can jump through a roof, it seems like uh, he is a tremendous, tremendously naturally gifted athlete. But what he did is in the offseason – he actually got himself better. So during his suspension, he talked about how he stayed away from football. He did help a high school coach. He coached the receivers at a high school in Nevada. And he really kind of fell in love with the game again. And he was able to work on his skill set, but also his strength. This guy is a lot stronger this year. You just look at a picture of him in his first two seasons. And then now, my goodness, he's put on some muscle. So he's a lot stronger. Uh, He's a unique skill set to try to cover. And when you have Antonio Brown opposite him, a defensive backfield really has to think about how, how are we going to handle this? You know, Most people bracket Antonio Brown. They're always going to have safety help moving his way. Now, you do that, you're going to leave a guy on the island with Martavis Bryant on the other side. So Martavis Bryant, it was really, it's really good to see him back. He looks like he's finally getting back into form, and that's a really good sign for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. One of the uh, things that... Uh... Haley said at the press conference, well, let, let, let's have him say it. This is Haley on Bryant. You know, any of these young guys that uh, are developing, I mean, these are key. The year two, year three are key years. Um, it'll usually tell you a lot about a player, you know, what direction he's going. And, uh, you know, all signs so far that he's making very good progress. He's, he's added routes to his repertoire. Um, but the biggest thing is he's fast and he knows and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and it's given him and us an opportunity to make plays. It's going to be an interesting matchup on Sunday against this uh, Bears secondary that has played uh, better uh, football and uh, Prince of Mukamara is scheduled to be back. So I'm, it's going to be very interesting to see the, not only Bryant but of course the other guy on the other side, Antonio Bryant. Uh, how's uh, Mr. Bryant doing this season so far? Uh, well, Brian and, and Brown are just, they're phenomenal. I mean, Brown, Antonio Brown is the best in the business. Uh, I, I've really toiled with thinking maybe Julio Jones, but every week I see Antonio Brown do something that I, I literally say or tweet out on our Twitter feed. This guy's freaking amazing. I mean, last week, we'll just go back and watch the footage of him in the fourth quarter, this catch he makes on the sideline where everybody and myself included thinks there's no way he got two feet down yet. He did. It's just amazing. His he's so precise with his routes. Um, he's so difficult to handle, and he's not like Martavis Bryant. He's not a tall receiver. He's not a Julio Jones, you know, six four. Uh, but he's quick. He's quick in and out of his breaks. He's not even a burner. I don't even think he runs a a four four forty. He might now, but at the combine, he certainly didn't. Um, he's just a perfectionist that's a good way of describing antonio brown uh he's just absolutely knows exactly what he's doing he and ben roethlisberger i might think have the best on-field connection 
if not the best, one of the best on-field connections between any quarterback and wide receiver in the NFL. It's, it's fun to watch, that's for sure. Now, one of the other strengths of this team is the offensive line. Uh, Haley said today that he thinks uh, this offensive line might be the best group in the AFC. What are your thoughts? Well, why don't you tell us who is on this offensive line? Give us some names and uh, your opinion of them. Well, on this offensive line, you have uh, two first-round picks in Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro. That's at center and guard. Then on the right tackle, you got Marcus Gilbert, who's a second-round pick. And then you have Ramon Foster, who is an undrafted free agent from Tennessee, and Alejandro Villanueva, who is also undrafted. They, it's a good mix of guys. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of five players that is returning. Every single one of them is returning from that last year. They have a really good core and they're also very athletic, especially Pouncey and DeCastro. Those are guys that they like to get out in space to block for Le'Veon Bell. Um, it, it's really interesting. if you And Mike Munchak, by the way, you have to give him some credit because this is a guy that was the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, played for Houston. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason, and he has really changed the dynamic of this line. Uh, before he came to Pittsburgh, they were never the tacticians that you see now. Uh, now they're very, very good at the detail-oriented aspect of the offensive line. Just watching them and how they move and they work in unison, it is, it's actually kind of fun to watch. And I've never really paid that close attention until Munchak came to the team. And after hearing him talk so much about these the very minute details of offensive line work. I, I started to do some more studying, and it's really impressive to watch. They are a very good group, and they're a very good group because they've played a lot of football together, and that's rare in today's National Football League. But nonetheless, very good job by them, very good job by Munchak, all of those guys. If And Marcus Gilbert is questionable to play with a hamstring injury. He might sit, in which case Chris Hubbard, their flex tackle, would be playing at right tackle. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Uh, before we talk about the defense, we have to uh, talk about Big Ben. Uh, now, what I've been hearing is is that perhaps Big Ben has kind of matured a little bit and, and is going to take fewer risks downfield. He said in an interview, you know, that in the past, 
he uh, would hear a wide receiver say, come on, get it to me deep, and so forth, and he would do that in order to placate the receiver, but now he's he apparently is is a little wiser, perhaps, and in, uh, in checking things down a little more. Do you find that to be correct? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you watched the film last week. He, he threw it deep a lot. Um, he's going to take what the defense is giving him. And, and the Minnesota Vikings in week two were given a lot of single high looks and one-on-one looks with trying to stop the run. And he he's going to take his shots when he feels he has an educated guess as to what the defense is going to do. At the same time, I think he is also learning how to just play that smarter brand of football and in the fourth quarter you really saw Roethlisberger do that Um, he would escape the pocket at times or just create space for himself and instead of really trying to push the ball down the field in a really small window he would take that seven yard completion which is going to you know give them a very manageable down and distance is going to keep the chains moving and I think he realizes that if they can string together some drives that are time consuming lets that defense rest really wear down the opposition it's going to benefit them in the long run so I think he's just taking a more cerebral approach he always called himself and I hated it he always said I'm a gunslinger and all this stuff oh even gunslingers have to be smart about when they, you know, when they draw and when they shoot. Mm-hmm. And I think he's slowly learning that. Uh, hopefully, he continues that. He's only thrown one interception, which was in week one. Uh, hopefully, his trends of touchdown to interception ratio stays very, 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 very good in the Steelers' favor. I should say. Very good. Now, the Steelers' defense is ranked 13 yards allowed in the NFL, fifth in passing yards allowed, and sixth in in points allowed. Now, is how much of that is because they faced two teams that were having their issues with their offense, the Browns with a rookie quarterback, and of course Sam Bradford did not play for the Vikings last week. Uh, how much is, is, is their excellent play a result of you know, some good fortune with their opponents? Well, anyone that says it doesn't matter is lying. I mean, it does matter. You played a rookie quarterback in his very first regular season start. Yeah, he's going to have some issues. And then you're playing Case Keenum, who's just inexperienced, even though he started last year for the Rams. I think that the one thing I constantly tell myself is they're they're still making plays. You know, uh, they still did stop Delvin Cook last week, and he's a heck of a running back. Um, and he played very well in Week One on Monday Night Football against the Saints. Um, the Steelers' defense is just being dominant up front. And one of the aspects and one of the differences in the 2017 defense to the 2016 defense that we've seen so far is that they're able to get pressure without blitzing all the time. Uh, so Cameron Hayward, uh, the defensive end for the Steelers, in their three-four scheme, just has been dominant. Stefan Tuitt was injured. He's supposed to be back this week against the Bears. Those two could possibly be the best two, three, four DNs in the NFL, and they're on the same line. <laughs> and so they're able to get pressure internal, you know, it, breaking down the interior of the pocket to get the quarterback off his mark. And Case Keenum had options, but he never had time to throw it to those options. And that's a key for the Steelers. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It was a part of the fact that they were playing two subpar quarterbacks. But at the same time, the defense still did what they were supposed to do against two subpar quarterbacks. The uh, defensive coordinator for the Steelers, is it Keith or Kevin Butler? Keith. Keith. Uh, Keith Butler was asked about Anthony Ciccolo, a guy who I was uh, had an eye on when he came out of, what was it, the University of Miami, saw him in a couple of the postseason games and thought he played really good. But 
the the uh, Bears were switching over to a three four defense, and so I think that's probably why they stayed away from him. But what's happened is that uh, Chickalow has now been converted to an outside linebacker and uh, playing very well. This is what uh, Butler said about Chickalow. Playing outside linebacker requires some. Uh, uh, athletic ability and rush ability, both. And uh, Chick has got that. And Chick realized he had to lose some weight when he got here. He did, so he could get the mobility that he needed to play the position. And uh, uh, he's done what, he's, what it, uh, he needs to get himself in position to, to play. And he knew that when he got here. He found out when he got here, you know, what I got to do to be able to get on the field. And he's done what he's, whatever he's needed to do. And he lost weight. And uh, he's learned our coverages. He's learned the position well. And he don't make a whole lot of mental mistakes. So, uh, you know, that's helped him out along the way. I believe he had two sacks last week and has basically uh, made 39-year-old James Harrison expendable. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he had two sacks in week one. He didn't have a sack. He had several tackles. He filled in for TJ Watt, who left with a groin injury uh, in week two against the Vikings. But yeah, I mean, he was the reason why James Harrison didn't play in week two, which was a stunning, uh, which was a stunning uh, state of events for, I, I guess I should say, a uh, series of events for the Steelers fan base because they thought that when Watt went down, it would be James Harrison that came in, and that wasn't the case. They they said that they thought that Anthony Chiquillo uh, earned his repetitions, that he earned his snaps. And it's hard to disagree with that. He's a he's turned into a great player, and not only is he a great player, he's a great special teams player. And in Pittsburgh, that is very, very valuable. Uh, he's a guy that Mike Tomlin talked about a lot in his press conference on Tuesday. He said how his special teams value is essentially what kept him on the team, and he continued to work, continued to improve, and now all of a sudden it's kind of he's kind of reaping the benefits of his labor or the fruits of his labor, so to speak, in regards to how he's turning that body transformation, the physical position transformation and, and he's turning it into place he's making plays so it's a great story uh, he's always been a good training camp player the fans always like him because they go to Latrobe up in St. Vincent College and they watch him and he's dominating and he plays well in the preseason and now they finally get to see him do that in the regular season so uh, it's a it's a crazy story that's not going to get as much publicity as other players but you look at him when he played at Miami just a physical picture of him and look at him now that's a huge transformation that that went under that, that that undertaking that went down with the Steelers coaching staff. So kudos to them, kudos to him, and uh, he he's been a good player for the Steelers so far. Jeff, uh, Mike Lennon has not had a sterling debut here in Chicago, and <laughs> uh, it was really funny for me to hear. By the way, Mike Tomlin does really good press conferences <laughs> as compared to John Fox. I mean, Tomlin is the king of press conferences while Fox is nowhere near that. But uh, Tomlin was uh, talking about uh, Glennon. He was so effusive in his praise that I, I almost went back and added a laugh track to some of the things that he was saying about Glennon because I think the Chicago Bears fans would have got a kick out of that. But apparently, Glennon uh, did upset the Steelers a few years back in in Tampa uh, in Tampa Bay, right? A twenty-seven to twenty-four win when the Steelers were heavily favored to win that game, and Glennon threw for three hundred and two yards. He was sacked just once uh, against that Steelers uh, famed defense, and he rallied the team back from a ten-point deficit. Do you remember anything about that game? And are are you anywhere near as complimentary about Glennon as uh, as Tomlin is? 
Uh, well, yeah, that game was at Heinz Field, and, and that was a stunner. Oh, okay. I remember that game very well. It was a fourth-quarter punt by Brad Wing. The Steelers, all they needed was a first down to win the game. They don't get it. Brad Wing, who's now punting for New York, uh, shanks his punt. And it was Mike Glennon to, I want to say, Lewis Murphy, maybe, I think, former mm-hmm. Oakland Raider receiver who had beat the Steelers as well earlier in his career, did it again oh. for the touchdown. And, uh, yeah, to say that the Steelers fan base was stunned that day was an understatement. But Mike Tomlin does give great, does give great press conferences. He is a wordsmith. He knows exactly what he's saying. He is entertaining. He's very emotional. Uh, he'll get very pissed off at the uh, – the media, if they're asking really stupid questions, in his opinion, um, at least makes every Tuesday at noon interesting for Steeler fans. But ultimately, Mike Tomlin's going to make anybody sound like the 1985 Bears, <laughs> and um, he did that again for the 2017 Bears. Mike Glennon's capable of making throws. If he has time, he's proven it. And Bears fans might laugh at me saying that, but you know what? Pittsburgh has made a lot worse quarterbacks look a lot better. (laughs) So you just never know. And I'm not in any way, stretch or form, thinking this is going to be a cakewalk for the Steelers. Could it be? Absolutely. Could it also be a trap game? Yeah. They played the Ravens in week four. So you might think they might be looking ahead a little bit. Um, Mike Lennon is going to be capable, but if the Steelers play the way they have in weeks one and two, he's going to be very uncomfortable because he's going to have to move. And as Mike Tomlin referred to him as very statuesque, I <laughs> I viewed that as he isn't a very mobile quarterback. He's not going to be escaping too much pressure. Um, and so if the Steelers do their job, get some pressure, force some early throws, some errant throws, you get some turnovers, let the offense do their job, and hopefully they put this out of out, out of the reach early you know what i mean sure now uh my final question to all my guests who, who come on our show to talk about the team that they cover i like to ask them what does the, your team in this case of course the steelers what do they have to do to lose this game <laughs> so that we here in chicago can have a little hope <laughs> um i'll give you two things one on offense and one on defense offensively if they turn the football over if ben roethlisberger goes back into the gunslinger mentality and he starts just slinging the rock wherever he wants and is very reckless with the football, especially in the red zone. It's going to give them hope. It's going to give uh, the Chicago Bears momentum. On defense, if they continue with the penalty trends that they've had the last two weeks, you're going to constantly be allowing drives to continue when they shouldn't. You're going to be giving them very valuable chunks of yardage on the football field. The Steelers have averaged double-digit penalty totals the last two games 12 in week one 10 in week two um they had 144 yards in penalties uh in week one and 77 i think in week two around there um it's not been good so if if the steelers defense or the steelers team in general decides that they're going to continue with their penalty trends then those two things are a recipe for disaster especially on the road There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11-10-18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Jeff Hartman, he's the editor over at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Jeff, where can people find you on Twitter? 
Uh, you can find me personally at, at BNG Blitz. I don't use that account as much. I am also the, in charge of our website, uh, the Behind the Steel Curtain Twitter handle, which is at BT Steel Curtain. Um, all those tweets are mine. All those links are mine. So you can check that out for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Jeff, thanks very much for being on the show. We'll uh, talk to you um, in the Super Bowl 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Take care. Okay, so here we are in week three. The Bears are a franchise that is either tearing away like a pectoral muscle from the bone or possibly ready to flex some muscle and become stronger. That's because while they've lost some valuable players to injury, they are on the verge of regaining some players. This is what head coach John Fox said about offensive lineman Kyle Long. Um, you know, our, our medical people think he's ready. You know, our coaches think he's ready. Uh, we'll see how much he can endure. Whether we have him, uh, you know, on any kind of pitch count uh, right now, you know, it's looking very promising. Let's remember that Long, for the first time in his pro career, will be playing from the left side of the offensive line. He likely will not look anywhere near as polished as he did during his Pro Bowl years. But Long is an inspirational leader that gives this team needed muscle up front. Now, about cornerback Prince Amukamara, Fox said this. Well, he's got the quick twitch you're looking for as far as a cover guy. You know, he transitions pretty good. You know, I think, um, you know, he'd been maybe an area of his um, uh, career. He hasn't had a lot of picks, but uh, he's worked very, very hard on his hands. Uh, um, you know, he's got his hands on some balls, but, uh, you know, I like what I see. We've missed him the first two weeks. As for wide receiver Marcus Wheaton, when he met the media early, earlier in the week, he wasn't revealing whether he was a go, but he was removed from the injury list on Thursday and has practice, so he's likely a go. This is what he told the media. I'm excited, and uh, hopefully this is the week. Would it have any more meetings yet based on the opponent? Um, I would like to say no, but I was there for a long time. I have a lot of good friends there, so um, it would definitely be fun to play against those guys. Now, it's interesting that linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski has not been placed on IR. He's definitely not coming back anytime soon, but perhaps there is hope he could return back later this season. Now, listen to Fox as he's pressed about why it's taking so long, since the Bears could open up a roster spot if the run-stopping linebacker goes on IR. You know, the truth of the matter is we're still evaluating it, you know, waiting on tests and uh, to make sure we get it right. Um, but when we know something, we'll let you know. But I'm not hiding it. It's just we don't have it yet. Jeff, do you have a deadline on that just so you have some roster? Not, not really. I think... Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a unique situation. I'll just leave it at that, uh, that um, obviously the sooner the better, but it hasn't hurt our preparation. Ah, the ever-revealing John Fox. But I will say this about the old geezer. He did have a revealing moment of frustration Thursday when he spoke about how his defense is being put in a bad situation to succeed. Well, it never helps when you give him short fields four times in the first half. So let's let's just make that clear. It's not a formula for success for anybody. Um, you know, so that's something we have to fix. Uh, you know, we, we can't be flopping it on the ground that many times in 60 minutes, let alone 30. Um, so, you know, obviously that's on the offense and the special teams. Last week, uh, we did get one defensively, our first of the season. Uh, some teams don't have any yet. Um, you know, so that's an area we want to increase. 
you know, all, our defensively has taken it away. Obviously, getting better on third down, that's a takeaway on downs. Uh, and then offensively, we can't give it away. You know, we were pretty good on third down, and we just, uh, you know, had three giveaways. And so, I mean, in a nutshell, I know it sounds like an oversimplification, but it's real. The Bears turning the ball over is something even Mike Tomlin noted was a problem for Chicago. They think they're minus three in a turnover ratio. Uh, you play good teams uh, like the Atlanta Falcons. Um, if you don't win the turnover battle, um, it's going to be a tough day. Um, they turned the ball over last week in Tampa, and I think that made the score uh, look a little less competitive than the game actually was. Despite pointing out the Bears' turnover problems, Tomlin was effusive in his praise of Bears quarterback Mike Lennon. i um, got a lot of respect for his talents. Uh, know and understand why they went out and acquired him. Uh, he has physical traits that you can't coach. Uh, he's statuesque. It allows for great field vision. Uh, he can make any, any throw on the field. Um, he's a great anticipator. You see it when you watch his tape. You see it on a big third down conversion on a comeback uh, last week down in Tampa. Uh, he oftentimes is capable of throwing the ball before receivers come out of their breaks. Um, he did on two significant third down conversions last week, one to come back, one to dig. Um, those anticipation throwers are often uh, difficult to get after. Uh, they can get the ball out of their hands in the midst of pressure. Uh, he's very good at drifting away from pressure um, and, and utilizing those skills. Um, we got firsthand familiarity with him in that regard. We played him when he was a younger guy. Um, I'd imagine that he's grown and grown in positive ways since then. Uh, we'll continue to study him and what he's capable of. Tomlin then went on to describe the rest of the Bears' offense with an emphasis on the positive and starting with Terry Cohen. Um, he's a nice compliment to Howard. Howard's capable of being a power back, a one-cut runner, um, downhill type of a guy. Cohen, man, is, is, is multi-talented. Uh, he's good in the passing game. He's good in the running game. They're capable of splitting him out of the backfield. You can compare him to a Darren Sproles-like guy. Uh, they utilized him in the run. I think they, maybe they've thrown him 16 or so balls over the course of the first two weeks. Um, between their, their multiple tight end personnel groups and, and these two quality backs, they've done a nice job of minimizing the, 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 the lack of available wide receivers uh, in their offensive play. The Steeler coach then named every prominent player on the Bears' defense, complimenting the changes in the defensive backfield and praising the play of the front seven. It starts there for us. Um, in terms of the protection of our quarterback, particularly in this hostile environment. It's not an environment where you can afford to be behind the chains. Uh, we've been behind the chains some in recent weeks, and that's affected our third down conversion rate negatively. Uh, you can't do it in, at Soldier Field with the edge rushers that I just mentioned. Uh, that's a recipe for a negative day in a lot of ways. Listening to Tomlin and the detailed manner in which he described his opponent just makes it clear to me that the Bears need a change at head coach. It's not simply his ability to articulate his thinking, but it's obvious there's a sense of detail Tomlin possesses that Fox apparently does not. For instance, listen to John Fox answer a question about why the Bears are not wearing their white jerseys on Sunday on a day that might be the hottest of the year here in Chicago. Well, I think um, that's a good question. Um, uh, I don't honestly have a great answer for it, but... Uh, I don't know that anybody thought it was going to be the hottest day of the year come Sunday either. You know, uh, I know I didn't. Inexcusable. This is a head coach who he and his staff have shown an inability to manage the game clock, inability to challenge plays effectively, inability to make proper personnel decisions and build dynamic game plans, 
And now we're learning that even the little things that could give his team a much-needed edge against a superior squad like the Steelers, he hasn't even thought about it? That's bullshit. That's why whenever I begin to talk about possible head coaching candidates for the 2018 Chicago Bears, and I'm shot down as being told it's too early to approach that topic, it infuriates me. Every successful organization has to have a succession plan. If Fox were to drop dead tomorrow, the Bears organization must already know who is going to be the interim coach. They can't all of a sudden sit down and start to talk about that. That should be a plan that's already in place. And already in place should be a folder with potential head coaching candidates for 2018. Who might be available? Who has a contract that's lapsing and be available? Who in the college ranks looks like a suitable candidate? Those things have to be in place now. When Hall of Fame writer Dan Pompey was on WSCR radio this week, he put the kibosh on talking coaching changes, and I didn't like it. I think it's too early to be talking about next year's coach. I mean, right. you're two games into the season, two games out of 16. You know, we don't know how this thing is going to go. Now, it's not looking good. No shit, Dan. It hasn't looked good since day one. Not since the Bears implemented this dual plan to rebuild and try to be competitive by bringing in a bunch of broken-down C-list players. It hasn't looked good since the Bears waited so long to draft a successor to Jay Cutler, and when they finally draft the guy, they got him sitting on the bench while playing the statuesque Mike Glennon. It hasn't looked good for a long time and for a lot of different reasons. Listen, at this point in the John Fox, Ryan Pace era, this matchup Sunday against the Steelers should be a win. This Steelers team is 2-0, but they have not played well. They have weaknesses that should be exploited. And this is a home game. But instead... We're starting a statuesque quarterback who won't be able to escape the Steelers' rush. Our team will inevitably start slowly and lull the home crowd to a sleep. And the Steelers will be wearing their white jerseys instead of their black ones on a 95-degree day. Hashtag Firefox. That's Bears on Tap for this week. Stop by BearsBarroom.com. We've got some interesting features for you to read. Our Buffon 55 show debuted yesterday. That's posted up on there. So if you missed it, it's really worth 30 minutes of your time. And there's our Trubisky Now movie, which I'm very proud of. I think you'll find entertaining. I'm going to leave you with a piece of audio I produced of a draft Dr. Phil rant on the Bears quarterback situation. And I ask that if you drink, please don't drive and always bear down. Draft Dr. Phil, bringing you true justice and, and the Bear Barroom way. Who is Mike Glennon? You paid $18 million for Mike Glennon, who threw 11 damn passes since 2014. You cannot have a statue quarterback in the NFL. Mike Glennon is a non-athlete. He's awful. He can't create more time. He can't move the pocket. We're talking about complete and utter disaster in timing, accuracy, poise. This is 2017. Teams are in the shotgun, throwing the football all over the football field. This isn't East-West Shrine offense that we're running here. And that's what I'm seeing on Sundays, Aldo. Why are you bubble wrapping Mitch Trubisky? Your quarterback has to be able to delay, move the pocket, be mobile, be aware. Watching the tape. Knowing the talent, knowing the confidence, 
This isn't too big for him. Trubisky gives the Chicago Bears the best opportunity to win. And if we get Mitchell Trubisky in there and we lose all of our games, all of them, going down swinging is a hell of a lot better than going down embarrassed. Hashtag Trubisky now. Draft Dr. Phil, keeping it 100. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Voltron. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears and video games i mean there's also some actual football discussion like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things or the ncaa saying really stupid things yeah there's lots of stupid things in this big dumb beautiful sport sometimes we talk about football games allegedly if you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken come find us on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one the shutdown podcast. It's not Voltron.